Parkview. I'm glad you made the choice to be here this weekend. And as you can see, we are starting this brand new series called Skeptics Wanted. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're just going to dive in uh, to a lot of these different things uh, that cause us to have doubts, uh, things that cause us as human beings to be skeptical, especially when it comes to our faith and, and God and eternity and Jesus and that sort of thing. And today, uh, to launch into this, uh, we are starting with kind of one of the big ones. We're going to talk about uh, the Bible. And uh, is the Bible really reliable? Can I trust this book to really build my life on it and, and recommend it to others and, and take its advice and wisdom? And, and here's what I know. I, I know that we, we have all kinds of different opinions when it comes to this book. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people that come to Parkview on the weekends, right? And we're all kind of in different places. And so we have lots of opinions on this book. We, we are probably all over the map on what we really believe about the Bible or certain parts of the Bible or how it was written or this or that sort of thing. And I just want to say to you today that that's okay. At Parkview is that kind of place where it's okay to have doubts, where it's okay to be skeptical about things in the Bible and, and to be here and to continue to learn and to grow and, and to ask tough questions. But today to get us started in this series, I bet that all of us, whether you've been in church for a whole lot of your life or you've been in church just a little bit, whether you really are building your life on the Bible or not, I bet we can all agree upon this as we get going. First of all, that the Bible is a unique book. If you're taking notes today, that's where we're going to start. The Bible is at the very least, ground floor, a unique book. And by the way, if you, if you love to take notes... Today is going to be an awesome day to take notes. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. If you don't like to take notes, you're going to probably want to uh, borrow from someone later who has uh, taken them because there's just all kinds of stuff we're going to study, just brass tack stuff about the reliability of the Bible. So again, let's start here. Is, the Bible is a unique book. I think that's ground floor. I'm not talking about whether you necessarily believe in everything in the Bible or not. I'm just saying it's a unique book book. Here's some reasons that the Bible is unique. First of all, in its circulation, uh, there are billions of Bibles in print. Uh, not many books can say that, right? I mean, that's unique in itself. Not a lot of books get printed billions of times. Uh, the Bible has been on top of the bestseller list, uh, not for a few weeks or months, not for a few years, but for centuries the Bible has been on the top of the bestseller list. That, that no matter what you think about the Bible, that's a pretty unique deal, that there's billions of them in print. Here's another unique thing about the Bible, and that is the translations. This book, the Bible, has been translated into well over a thousand different languages. And again, not a lot of books can claim that, maybe two or three languages or 15, but over a thousand different people groups and languages can read and study the Bible. That's a unique thing. And even beyond that, when it comes to the translations, here's, even going a little bit deeper into the uniqueness of that, you know that today as we sit here in, in a nice, kind of comfortable, safe place, right now today, there are people in all different kinds of places in the world, strange places, remote places, very dangerous places. And you know what they're doing? 
they are risking their lives to translate this book into another language for someone. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, that, that's unique. Again, no matter what you believe about the book, that people would risk their lives to go into a new place, a strange place, a dangerous place, to translate it for someone else. That's a unique deal. I mean, lots of other books don't get that. I mean, all the different, you know, Divergent series, the Harry Potter series, people aren't risking their lives to translate that for people, right? They're just not. The latest business book, no matter how great the latest business book is, you don't have people saying, you know what, I'm going into this other nation, and I don't care if they kill me, they got to have this book. No, that, that's just not happening. That, that makes the Bible a unique book. Here's another thing that's unique about the Bible, and that is the durability of the Bible. And here's what I mean by durability. Throughout the centuries, kings, world leaders, dictators have tried as hard as they can to rid their nation, rid their city sometimes of the Bible. And they've collected up Bibles, they've, they've confiscated Bibles, they've banned the Bible, they've got tons of Bibles together, they've burned uh, just all kinds of Bibles so that there won't be any more in a city, that the whole nation won't have the Bible anymore. And guess what happens after they ban the Bible and burn the Bible and try and eradicate it? It just keeps popping up again. People somehow find a Bible again. It's an incredibly durable book. It's like when you have little kids or maybe when you were a little kid, somebody put those fake candles on your birthday cake. Remember that? And, and you, you blew out the candles and everyone cheered. And then about three seconds later, they came back lit again. And, and you're like, what? That's kind of like the Bible. It just keeps coming back no matter how much people try to get rid of this thing. That's unique. Here's another uh, thing about the uniqueness of the Bible, and that is its composition, uh, the way it was composed. And maybe you've never really thought about this, even if you've studied the Bible for a long time. Uh, the Bible was written by some 40 different authors, and all of these authors had different uh, backgrounds different occupations, educations, that sort of thing. Forty different authors. It was also written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. That's pretty unique. It was also written in three different languages when you go through the Old and New Testament of the Bible. That's Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And it was also written, get this, not only by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages, but it was written over a period of about 1,500 years. And that's unique. There's no other books really like that that, that we have. And, and what's even more unique than that is that it makes sense being written by all of those people over all of those years on all of those continents. It still makes sense. It kind of goes together. It flows together from the Old Testament of the Bible to the New Testament of the Bible. There's this incredible thread of unity throughout the entire Bible. There's one central theme, that is salvation. God is trying to bring salvation back to his people. That's the central theme. There's one central character in the Bible, that is Jesus. From the Old Testament where he's prophesied and, and pointed towards to the New Testament where he's realized and, and here among us. It's, it's a pretty incredible uh, deal. I want to challenge you to, to find a, another book around in our world today that is, is written by 40 different people in three different languages and 
three different continents over a period of 1,500 plus years. I just, I don't think you'll find one. So again, when, when it comes to the composition of the Bible, I, I'm not saying what you believe about it or anything like that. I'm just saying that's pretty unique, right? That's pretty amazing. And then just one other thing pertaining to the uniqueness of the Bible, and that is its supernatural effect on people's lives. It has a super, it seems to just have a supernatural effect on the people who read it. That, that's pretty unique. I mean, people read books all the time, right? People read books and, and then the person gets done reading the book and, and they take it and they put the book on a shelf and, and they go look for another book, right, to, to read, to entertain them or educate them or help them escape or something like that. But the Bible's different, right? I mean, here's the thing, here's the crazy thing about the Bible. People who start reading this book never seem to finish it, right? Can you relate to that? I mean, you start reading it and you never really get done. And if you do get done reading the book, what do you do? You, you go back around and you start reading it again. And people memorize certain sections of this book and, and they highlight things and they underline things and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. It, it's a pretty amazing thing. People carry this book around with them, not just for a few weeks or months, but for years. Some of you, listen, this is unique. Some of you right here today have been carrying the same Bible around with you for decades, 15, 20, 30 years. That's pretty unique compared to other books that we have in our world. And, and let me just see if I can illustrate this clearly. I was thinking about it here this weekend. In my backpack, when I travel around, I have, of course, the Bible, but I also have, I hate to even maybe show this to you because I don't want to burst your bubble about me, but I also sometimes carry books like this around with me. This is a Clive Cussler book. If you don't know him, he's like an adventure kind of writer, and he writes all these stories about this guy named Dirk Pitt, and I kind of like to read them. So, uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, I've got this with me right now. I'm about, two, I'm about a third of the way through it, and a couple of weeks from now, I won't have this book with me anymore. In fact, I won't even know where it's at because I'll be done with it and I won't need it anymore, right? I don't just hang on to it. I, I don't get done with this book and then go find people and say, oh, oh, oh hey, come, come here. You got to see what Clive wrote in chapter three. It's unbelievable what he wrote there. I've got most of, you know, two, I've got two sentences in chapter nine memorized. It's really, really good. You, just, you don't do that with, with these kinds of books, right? In fact, I've probably read six or seven of these books over the last couple of years of my life, and I'll tell you, I don't know where any of them are anymore. Most of them, when I get done reading them, I leave them like, you know, the seat back pocket of an airplane, just, you know, for someone else. In fact, if you're riding an airplane and you see one there, you can think, well, you know, hey, Todd was sitting here because there's Clive Cussler right there in the seat back pocket of the airplane. So here's what I'm saying. This, that, that's, that's what we do normally with books, but not so with the Bible. People who read the Bible and carry it around, they claim that this book has had a supernatural effect on their lives. And they claim that it's changed the way they, they act and the way they react to things. It's, it's changed the way they talk even or their language. It's changed the way they make friends or the way they handle their anger. All sorts of things like that. It's a pretty unique book in that regard. So when it comes, Parkview, to all the, the circulation, the translations, the durability, the composition, the, the dramatic effect that this book has on people's lives, I, I think we can... 
admit, again, I'm not saying that you fully believe in the Bible or you're going to go out and align everything in your life towards the Bible. I'm just saying I think we can all admit that the Bible is at very least a unique book. And in fact, if we can get on that ground floor together today, if you believe the Bible is at the least a unique book, say, yes, indeed. Indeed, I think that's most of us. Yes, indeed, it's a unique book. So let's, let's do this. Let's, let's go from it being a unique book where most of us are cool with that. And let's go another step further. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's another question. Is the Bible accurate? And I know some of you right now are going, yes, here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. You know, the Bible being unique, Todd, okay, all that stuff about the Bible being unique and written and all the composition in the 1,500 years, of course it's unique. Everybody I know believes it's unique. But here's my question. Is it really accurate? Is it really accurate? And, and, and a lot of people in our world would say this. Well, of course it's not. Of course, it's not really ac completely accurate, right? I mean, a lot of people would say, people you work with, people you go to school with, they would say there's all kinds of inconsistencies and there's all kinds of contradictions in the Bible. So, so of course, it's really not accurate. And, and, and maybe that's kind of where you've been in your life. In fact, even just this week, a very, very recent uh, little illustration from my life, it was Labor Day weekend, uh, Monday of this last week, uh, Labor Day, I was sitting around at my house, and uh, I had my door open, and, and uh, we're just kind of sitting around Monday afternoon, and, and one of my neighbors comes over. We've only lived where we're living for three or four months, so I don't really know everybody. I've met this guy a couple of times. He's about 60, 65 years old. He comes over and knocks really hard on, on the screen door, and so I open it up, and I'm kind of trying to remember his name, so I welcome him in, and, and I've got this VW bus that I have sitting out front of my yard. I really like VW buses, and so does he, and so he's talking to me all about my VW bus. And we're going on and on and on about this thing. And then all of a sudden, he stops talking about the bus. And he says, hey, Todd, you, uh, you're a religious person, right? <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm fairly religious. Yeah, I guess you could, could say that. And, and then he goes on. And this is the real reason he came over. I'm certain of it. He goes on to just blast into the Bible and all the contradictions, and he starts talking to me about Genesis and, and why it's written like this and why this is, it seems to be not right here and seems to be inconsistent here and all sorts of things. And he's, you know, when was, you know, God's first command? When did he do this? What was the order of this? And, and listen, I've been doing this for 25 years, and he's kind of got me spinning around. I'm going, Wow. I, I don't know, you know, he's, you know, he's pointing out all this stuff, and so he and I, you know, are getting together to have some time to talk and work through some of these big questions that he has about the Bible, and I just want to say that, that maybe you've been there before in your life as well concerning the Bible. You felt like, you know, there's lots of inaccuracies and that sort of thing, and, and if you have, I want to spend just a little bit of time today and give us some foundation for the accuracy of the Bible. If you're taking notes, write down the word history. Let's look at history first. Everybody say history. History. Let's take a look at that. Uh, the Bible passes the test of history with, with just flying colors. And, and this, is, this is a big deal, a bigger deal than you might think at first glance because here's why. The Bible mentions all kinds of people, all kinds of places, all kinds of rivers, mountains, lakes, Events it, it mentions all kinds of historical things, and there's a whole lot of room for the biblical record to clash with the historical record. It, it really does. And, and the Bible records historical things 
very clearly and, and very accurately. In fact, I want to read a section of Scripture to you in just a moment from the book of Luke. That's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 3. And as I'm reading this section of Scripture, I want you to just think about, as I'm reading this, how concerned was Luke with accuracy? How concerned was Luke with being historically accurate? As I'm reading these verses, Luke chapter 3, 1 through 3, think about how concerned he was. Here we go. Luke says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip the Tetrarch of Iteria and Trachonitis, and Licinius the Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So again, here's my question. How concerned was Luke with historical accuracy? Very concerned, right? Luke and many of these other artists, they, they say the exact people. Here's who they were. Here's who they were related to. Here's who else was leading during that time. Here's who he was. Here's who his dad was. Here's, here's where they were in, in ge geographically in, in that part of the country. And I want you to know, friends, when you start to study and really dive in uh, to the Bible... And you start to look at all the little places and all the rivers and all the lakes and all the mountains and all the events and all the battles. We find out over and over and over that the Bible is more and more and more accurate. In fact, where there have been, listen to this, where there have been little conflicts between the historical record and the biblical record, actually the biblical record has been proven to be the more accurate record through archaeology and things like that. Did you know there's all kinds of archaeologists around our world today and again this isn't all of them but there's many archaeologists around our world today who are out digging up things digging up our past and a big part of the reason they're digging up our past is because they want to disprove the Bible and show that it's inaccurate but what keeps happening to archaeologists these days is they dig up something they find it they bring in a group of people and they find out that doggone it it actually proves the Bible is more true than we thought at first. And, you know, and they still have little things they want to disagree about. But the, the shovel of archaeology is actually digging up every single week that the Bible is more and more and more accurate than we'd even ever realized. And it's not just the archaeologists and the historical things. It's also scientists who are sitting behind telescopes and, and microscopes all around our world today. If you're taking notes, write down the word science. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Uh, a lot of people would say, and maybe you felt like this before in your life as well. Uh, I, I have friends right now who do, that science and faith, or science and the Bible, they can't coexist. I mean, science is one thing, and, and faith is this, and if you're a person who believes in science, then you obviously can't really believe about the Bible because they're, they're combative, they're, they're not congruent. And, and of course, listen, there are still people, there are still scientists who believe that's true. But here's what I want to let you know. I've done a whole lot of study, a whole lot of research to be prepared to be with you this weekend. And here's what I want to say. You can study this on your own. More and more of the scientific world is coming to realize that the scientific world and the biblical world actually uh, can come together and can be congruent. And they say many of the same things. They just say it from different point of views and different angles. 
I heard a pastor just a couple of weeks ago uh, uh, where I live say it like this. Science tells us that we are made of matter. The Bible tells us why we matter. Right? And they're two great things. They're two truths. Science tells us that we're made of matter and what we're made at and tries to describe all this stuff that God made and put into us. The Bible tells us why we matter. And so the Bible, even when it comes to science, is full of all kinds of just uh, very accurate assessments when it comes to science. I want to share one of these examples uh, with you. It's in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 8. Mark, uh, chapter 8. And I, I want you to see this just accurate description of a scientific thing that's in the Bible. And there are many places like this. It says, they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people. And they look like trees walking around. Remember that line right there. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. You say, well, Todd, what's the big deal about this section of Scripture in Mark chapter 8? Well, in recent years in in our world, in scientific and medicine, uh, we have been able... Uh, to restore sight to some people, not everybody, but some people who have been blind from trauma or or some disease or something like that that has deteriorated their sight, we've been able to restore sight back to some of those people. And what these folks who study this have found, many of these doctors, many of these physicians, they've studied this, they've learned that as sight comes back to somebody, it doesn't just all of a sudden as they're bringing it back, just come back, 2020, we're all good. It comes back a little bit fuzzy. It, it grows into focus. And listen to what one of these doctors says about this whole thing in Mark chapter 8. Dr. Keith Maynum says, when the blind man says, I see people and they look like trees walking around, What he is describing is actually a clinical description of what would truly happen. He goes on to say, as far as I can judge, this is irrefutable evidence that the miracle at Bethsaida really did occur. Only someone recently given his sight would see people walking as trees. And then this is huge. If the person was faking, he would have pretended to have perfect vision. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, if, if, if the blind guy was, was faking and wasn't really blind, he would have, Jesus touched him and he would have gone, whoa, look at that, 2020. I can see everybody. If Jesus and this blind guy are in cahoots, he wouldn't have had him talk about trees. He would have just said, tell everybody that you can see, right? But, but that's not what happens. And what I want you to see here today, Parkview, in, in Mark chapter 8, is that this is not just an odd, strange sentence. This is an actual clinical description of what would really happen when somebody was receiving their sight who had been blind for a while. And we're just now learning these things about science and our human bodies 
in our world today. And the other thing that I just think is amazing about this whole description here, and, and part of the reason I personally love the Bible is because when this happens, I think this is great. This is kind of a side point. But when all this happens with him seeing trees and things like that, listen, it doesn't freak Jesus out. It doesn't freak Jesus out. When, when the guy, when Jesus, you know, puts his hands on him and he says, what do you see? And he says, I see people, they look like trees. Jesus doesn't say, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, no, it didn't work. Shoot. That's not what Jesus' response is. You know why, I think? I think it's because Jesus knows his heavenly father, and his heavenly father is the one who made the guy's eyes. And so he knows this sort of thing is, is going to be the case. And so Jesus touches him again, and he speeds in the process of recovery in his life. And the Bible, listen, I just would encourage you, we don't have time, obviously, to get into all of the depth of this today, but I would encourage you to just begin to study the Bible and realize that it, it does actually pass the historical and, and the archaeological and the scientific tests, really with flying colors. It's incredibly accurate when it comes to those things. And let me share one other thing though today with you when it comes to this whole idea of accuracy and this thing I would share with you now is way more uh, uh, subjective than these other things that I've shared with the history and the science and that sort of thing I have found that the Bible is just incredibly incredibly accurate when it comes to me I would say that's one of the biggest things that I see in it. Not, not just the history of the whole deal and the science of the whole deal, but I've found the Bible to be so accurate with me. I mean, who I really am. Not, not just Todd who, you know, gets on a stage and talks to people, but I mean my, real, my wants, my desires, my motives, that sort of thing. Here, here's the thing, Parkview. There are a whole lot of times in my life Maybe you can resonate with this. There are a whole lot of times in my life that I wish the Bible weren't so painfully accurate, right, in its assessment of me. Have you ever felt like this? On a weekend, you come in and somebody's preaching and you just feel like the Bible, how does it know this? It's like the Bible, it's like the Word of God knows stuff about our lives that we don't even know about our lives. It's like this book has somehow managed to get the inside scoop on all of our lives, whether we've been around church for a long time or whether we've been around church for just a little bit. It's like, how, how in the world does all of that happen? How does it know us so well? And, and here's, here's what I believe about that. And when it comes to humanity and the Bible, and I can't prove what I'm getting ready to say to you right now, okay? Just know that. But here's what I believe. I believe that most people in our world know just enough about the accuracy of the Bible to avoid it. That's what I think. I think most people in our world, most people we go to school with, most people we work with, most of our neighbors, they know just enough, even some of us right here this weekend, know just enough about the accuracy of the Bible to avoid it in our lives. And instead of wanting to obey it, we just decide to belittle it. And we say things like, you know what, you know, yeah, okay, it's, it's just, you know, it's full of all kinds of inconsistencies. Well, where are those inconsistencies? Well, I don't know, I'm just, it's just, it's full of them, believe me, okay? It's full of inconsistencies. And we say those kinds of things because we just, we, we know enough about how accurate it would be in our own life. 
Now, that's just something I believe. And, and, and this, this, just in the last few days, I've had just a very clear picture of that come into my life. And I think this will give you some clarity into what I'm talking about with just the, the, the Bible and its accuracy into our lives and, and, and how it touches our lives and makes us feel. Just flying here a few days ago, 48 hours ago on Friday, flying here on a Southwest Airlines flight. And I'm sitting, you know, of course, on the aisle seat because that's the best seat. And, and then there's a guy in the middle seat because he has the C letter. And so he's got to be in the middle. And so he, we're sitting there and we're talking and, you know, and it's a full flight. And we just shake hands and just say a few things to each other. And he seems like a nice guy. And I put on my headphones and, and we take off. And, and we get up to cruising altitude, right? It's just true. It's just, just happened just a few days ago to me. Uh, we get up to cruising altitude and everybody can get out their devices and things like that. And so we're at cruising altitude. And this guy immediately uh, gets out his iPad and he kind of sets it up. You know, on a little dock thing where it's leaning back to him, and he starts to watch a movie. And uh, he, you know, he's got his tray table flopped down. And he's watching this movie, and and uh, I'll tell you this: I, I honestly, I have no idea what movie it was. I was trying to discern that for a while, but but only 15 or 20 minutes into the movie, I can tell you, it was an incredibly explicit movie. Okay, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. In, in just the first 15, 20 minutes, there had already been. Uh, all kinds of nudity and things like that in this deal this guy's watching. You know, and we're sitting here right like this, and he's got it on his tray table and stuff like that. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm trying not to watch, trying to discern this is, the movie this is. But I'm thinking to myself, all along I'm thinking to myself, this is getting ready to be weird. Okay? I'm sitting right there beside him, I've got my headphones in, I'm thinking, this is getting ready to be weird. And here's why. Because I know, I'm on a three-hour, 40-minute flight. I know I have to study. And you know where I'm coming, right? I'm coming to be with you. I'm a pastor. You know what I'm studying probably, right? I got to study to be here with you. I got to get ready for the weekend. And so I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I pull out my iPad with my notes on it, my teaching notes, and I pull out my Bible. And I pull down my flop-down tray, and I set my Bible, and I set my iPad up right next to his movie. We're like, right, we're this close, right? And I want to tell you something. It wasn't but just a matter of seconds, and he was incredibly uncomfortable, okay? (laughs) He was. It was very uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for him, but it was also incredibly uncomfortable for me. It was. I was thinking, man, are you serious, really? And, And listen, I brought all that. I bring all that together because as I'm driving out of there, I'm driving from the airport back over here. Uh, to be near the church and to stay. I'm thinking to myself, God just brought it to me. He said, Todd, that's, that's what it's like. That's what the truth of my word is like. Here's what happens. When we take the Bible and we set it up right alongside on the table tray beside our movies, what it does is it makes us question the choices of the movies that we're going to watch when we put them side by side. So a lot of times we just leave the Bible out because we don't want anybody questioning the movies we watch. A lot of times what happens if we took the Bible and we set it right next to the friends that we make on our flop-down tray table and we put the Bible right next to our friends, it would question the friendships that we are making. And so we just decide, you know what, I don't really want to change my friends, so I'm just going to say the Bible is inconsistent we leave the Bible out. If we take the Bible and we put it right down on the tray table, right next to our finances and how we're spending our money and how we're giving our money, it would call things into question. It would call us into account. So instead of doing that, we just say, you know, I'm just going to leave the Bible out. If we were to take the Bible with us on a Friday or Saturday night and carry it around with us everywhere we go on a Friday or Saturday night, it would probably make us sometimes feel uncomfortable about the places we go or the things we say or the things we do. And here's what I think. I can't prove this, but here's what I believe. I believe that most people know, know about the accuracy of the Bible and, and the reason people question the accuracy of the Bible is because they really don't want anybody questioning the accuracy of the way they're living. 
And that's what I think happens in our lives. I'm pretty sure that's what happens in my life. A lot of times when I want to question it or, or not have it around and near me, it's like this book has somehow managed to get the inside scoop on all of our lives. And so here's the thing. It's unique. Is it accurate? But let's go just one other layer deeper and ask this question. Is the Bible inspired? Is this really the book that God wrote? Or is it just fairy tales and fables and that sort of thing? I want you to know that the Bible, it absolutely claims to be inspired. The Bible claims that it's supernaturally inspired by God. And take a look at this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. The Bible claims to be God-breathed, to be inspired. And I know some of you right now are probably saying, well, Todd, okay, listen, of, of, listen, of course the Bible is going to claim that the Bible is inspired. Okay, of, of course that's going to happen. But here's the question for many of you, for many of your friends, family members. Is it really? I mean, seriously, is this really the book that God wrote and that gave to us through these men? Is it really that kind of book? And here's what I want to give as an answer to that today. Every single week, I talk to people, I interact with people who claim that this book, the Bible, has given supernatural insight into their lives. The Bible has helped them know how to, to date and how to get married, how to stay married, how to raise their kids. The Bible has helped them know how to invest their money and, and how to be generous. It's, it's helped them know how to handle conflict and work through conflict. The Bible, I talk to people every week who would say it's given supernatural insight into their life. In fact, I just want to ask you today, just as we pull this together to illustrate this, if you would say today in this room, and only if you believe this, only if you believe this, if you would say, hey, Todd, listen, I'll be a testimony to it. There was a time in my life where the Bible gave me supernatural guidance and insight. If you believe that about the Bible, I want you just right where you are, just to raise your hand, just right up into there and look all around. All kinds of people saying that this book has given them insight into their life. So here's the way I would wrap this thing up today and say that if you're skeptical about the Bible, if you have doubts about the Bible, I just want to say that that's okay. Again, I want you to continue to grow, continue to investigate it, and research it out on your own. Don't just take my, my word for it. Parkview's a safe place for you to do that. But if you're skeptical, I would also ask you this question. Is the reason you question the accuracy of the Bible because you don't want anybody questioning the accuracy of the way you're living your life. I think that's a fair question that we should all, you know, answer in our life. And if this is the book that God wrote, if it is unique, if it is accurate, if it is inspired, then what should we do? How should we live? Here's a next step for this weekend. If you want to write this down, the next step would be this, that we should choose to read and obey this book. If it's unique, which we said it is, if it's actually accurate, which it really looks like it is, if it is inspired and all these folks around are spot on, what should we do? We should read it 
and obey it. Don't read it and debate it. Read it and obey it. Begin to build your life on it. I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Parkview, may we be those kinds of people. Amen? Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for the opportunity to, to sing and <clears throat> to study and to take a little bit of time to just consider the book, the Bible, that we look to often, that we spend lots of time on the weekends studying, lots of time during the week studying probably. God, I, I thank you for the time we can carve out today just to consider how we got it and how it's constructed. And, and uh, God, I just pray for those especially who have doubts and who are skeptical. I pray that you would allow them to vet those things out and, and seek you and that you would be easy to find and that they would be able to grow closer to you in their faith in you. We love you and we thank you for the Bible. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, Amen.